Jared. Daily ransomware facts. Conti ransoms <laughs> everything around me. Conti ransoms everything around me. Who's drunk now? Welcome to another episode of Bourbon and Data Breaches, where we cover five of the most interesting data breaches from this last week. And one of our favorite bourbons, I'm Steve. Mike. Nikki. Shoo. Okay, great. Well, Nikki, what do you have for us this week? Remote working leaves businesses increasingly vulnerable to cyber attacks. Say experts. This is from Digiday. I'm not surprised at all. How about you, Shu? I'm not surprised either. I mean, we all, did we not know this? Like we all went from working in a temperature controlled, like nerf padded office to everyone working from home. We knew security was not a priority when we did that, right? I think the article brought up an interesting point where it talked about routers not just being out of date and the manufacturers aren't aren't going to upgrade that firmware. That was honestly even under my radar. Um, and we've already had a story earlier this year about uh, routers being sold with backdoors in them to China. So, yeah. Well, even more than the backdoors, I mean, every single Cisco router, you can literally just look up the make and model number and it'll tell you exactly. I think they're all set to admin and password, but just in case yours isn't, uh, Cisco keeps an index online that you can check for exactly how to get into your router. So, but beyond that, it really strikes me that it's about uh, it's about delayed gratification. Like I think employees can say, I cannot click on that until I get home. But I think especially under COVID with everybody working from home, there's been so much tension and pressure that people are likely to have a little bit more risk-taking behavior online. And we can see what that's doing for breaches and for, uh, for security awareness. And we've also seen incidents where uh, employee's kid does something crazy and dumb too. It's compromised 100%. work assets. Yeah, I mean, I, I think router level attacks are even more sophisticated than what we're really dealing with. I think, I think router would take a level of technical skill. Like we're all the way at the top. Like I guarantee some breaches have happened from emails that say like, hey, click here. And they're like, okay, I'm gonna click there. Um, you know, if you are at home, you're probably not practicing the best security habits. Uh, you've probably not had a year of people reminding you to be secure. Uh, and so we're seeing, we're seeing the consequences of that. I think we've already forgotten about that lawyer whose daughter messed with his Zoom settings and turned him into a cat. You guys remember that? That's like, that, that's the level that we're at. It's just, you leave your laptop lying around. It's probably not another coworker or an attacker is gonna mess with it. It's likely your kids. I'm not, I'm not convinced that wasn't a cat. <laughs> to, be, not a cat. <laughs> to be fair, like the, one of the main points that were brought up came from uh, Verizon 2020, DBIR, it was like data breach investigation reports, DBIR. When, when people work from home, the problem is they don't have physical access to a security team. Meaning when they get confused by something, they can't just go up to one of their, you know, fellow coworkers and say, Hey, you work for the security team. Like I got this email. It's kind of weird. Is this weird? Is, is am I in danger? Like what is happening here? Like, what, what are the levels that are missing here and that they're glossing in that, okay, sure, you, you, have, you take on more danger and risk when you work from home, 
but is it because you don't have this security professional right next to you that you can say, hey, this looks bad, can you look at it? I think a lot of it is mindset. I think a lot of people browse for work as though they were browsing for home because they're at home. I'm just imagining Steve Buscemi saying, hey, hey fellow no, security kid. team. <laughs> Hey, fellow security team, do you think this email's weird? How do you do? How do you do, fellow security people? Uh, so, uh, yes, this article is security is bad when you're at home and no one is surprised. And uh, if SolarWinds alone was not a surprising uh, data breach, we're going to see a whole lot of businesses that got broken into while people work from home. All right, moving on to topic number two. The full story of the stunning RSA hack can finally be told. The RSA <laughs> hack, uh, Andy Greenberg from Wired just covered it, put a lot of detail into it. Hi, Andy. What is your- Please uh, respond to my emails. What, what are your personal takes on it in terms of how it applies Shu and I know Andy Greenberg because Shu and I worked at a company uh, that Andy covered a few of our data breaches back back in the day. This was back when Andy was was at Forbes. So um, Andy, that was sort of his beginning uh, entry into data breaches. Uh, he's he now has uh, he's a well accomplished author. He has a book sand warm or sandstorm it has to do with sand about hackers uh and andy no longer returns my calls or text messages or emails so andy hi if you're listening would love to catch up we'll drop him you call me back please call me back andy um we like your article and i forgot what it was about rsa hey rsa i read the whole thing I read the whole thing about RSA and uh, it was fascinating. And I want to get Shu's opinion on this. But one, I never trusted RSA tokens, never trusted it. Yes, there was an over-reliance on those things from the comp from uh, from corporate security teams, I, th I thought. I remember early 2010s, what are those called? Early, those little blobs that the teens the aughts whatever oh the aughts yeah 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 aughts. i remember early aughts uh that someone showed me an rsa token and they're like i can't be hacked because i got a token yeah. and i'm like you're dumb that's dumb i don't know how any of this works but i expect it to be broken and i am glad to be validated yeah yeah there was uh there was a sense i was at a company in the early 2000s and uh, it was, uh, you can't sign into a network remotely without one of these. And that was kind of it. They, were, they just thought that that was some magic thing that would protect anyone from anything. Um, Can we all agree if it's magic and it's 100% secure, it's bullshit? Right, yeah. On yeah. the other hand, Hack Notice is definitely magic. And the dark arts. We're not magic. We're a lot of hard work and sweat equity there we go uh i thought the article was great um i remember that hack and uh let's see that was before i got into security industry and it was uh we had absolutely no idea how big it was at the time i think uh when i heard about it, i'm like oh yeah those stupid token things got got broken uh okay moving on but 
that article kind of detailed how it was the first major state-sponsored attack, and it has had far-reaching implications even to this day, 10 years later. I think it does, uh, towards the end, it kind of draws a parallel to what has happened to solar winds and very much along the same line. I think solar winds like this have, uh, we will be seeing the ramifications about it a decade from now. I think whenever security is centralized, it's not security. And RSA was closed source. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was centralized and it, it ultimately failed us. We take a look at Signal. I worry about Signal being centralized, but I don't worry about them because they are open source and it can be reviewed. So uh, the ideal for any security you're relying on is decentralized and open source. Uh, RSA still a, a huge security company. Um, we rely on them in many ways still. Uh, I think tokens are great, but they are a piece of a solution. Absolutely. If you're relying on two-factor or multi-factor to solve security, you're in for a really bad time. I think it's time for a bourbon break. Bourbon break. So today... We are doing Old Forester 100. And Old Forester 100 is obviously 100 proof. It is. My bad. That is, that is why it is called 100. Uh, Old Forester, we've covered them before. We've covered their Prohibition series. Uh, Prohibition series is a part of uh, the same line as the Old Forester 100. So uh, according to Old Forester, they use the same mash bill for all of their various Old Foresters that are in the same series. Uh, that's going to be 100 Prohibition series. Uh, I believe also they're 18 something, 1910, 1920. There's an 18 something that I'm blanking on. Um, so we lost, we lost Mike. I don't know where he went. Wasn't Mike Casey? You poured him a glass neat. Yeah. So we gave Mike some old Forester 100 and he disappeared. It's good. So, so uh, we're not saying that old Forester 100 makes you invisible. However, we don't have any scientific proof to say it does not make you invisible. Or make you disappear. Maybe the cause is invisibility. Maybe the cause is kidnapping. Who knows? I think you'll see. Uh, I am a normal size, and this bottle is a large size. So uh, we have the 1.75 liter Old Forester 100. One of the things I like about this bourbon, other than its delicious taste, uh, is the fact that you can buy a large quantity of it for a very reasonable price. $18. I got all of this for $27. God bless <laughs> Texas and our sales only tax on liquor. Where'd your drink go? I finished it. But it disappeared. Strong strong notes of caramel 
You finished it too early. Do you need another slight pour to talk maybe, about? Maybe the... just a slight yeah, pour. Let's... My glass is right there. We're, we'll do a tasting. We're going to do the official tasting now. And then we'll do the calling the girlfriend. To pick slight, the I said. Slight. <laughs> Drink responsibly. Ah. Check on. Keep pouring. I'm getting up. I don't know what you're talking about, Shu. I didn't drink it last time, so I couldn't weigh in. I'm getting caramel and vanilla. We're not going to smell your. Yeah. It was a. Yeah. It was the strong notes of vanilla. Right? Uh, good sweetness on it, and it's a different old forester we tried last. This, this shit is honestly delicious. So I don't know what's the matter with this. That. Is old forester 100. What did we try? Previously done the old forester prohibition series, which was 121. One twenty. That tastes like plastic. That tastes like plastic. I'm sorry. That I does words. not taste like plastic. That no. tastes delicious, and uh, it should be the same mash bill. If you believe Old Forester, which I might, um, I honestly have no idea what your what your deal with this stuff is. It's delicious. My deal is like plastic. For real, twenty six bucks. This bottle is $27 from Total Wine. We have not been paid by Old Forester. That's like Total the best Wine. $27 bottle you can get. 27 Old Forester, 100 proof. There I haven't been paid by Old Forester. You two, I suspect, have actually. We, I would welcome it. Oh my goodness. Bourbon and Data Breaches sponsored by oh, Old Forester. Oh, yes. Oh no, shoe. Liquor sponsorship. Oh, Steve and Mike, we'll pay you guys, but shoe, screw that guy. He thinks our stuff tastes like plastic. I'd be like, drink it tastes like plastic. Sorry. If you want to pay me in any ways, go ahead, but. Classic. I'm not gonna change what I You'll say. Go get one of the two distilleries in Washington to sponsor you. Oh, those are great distilleries. Yeah, there's wow. two distilleries. Yeah. Oh, so good. Made with loving care and pine trees. Oh, so good. And that's been the bourbon break. Bourbon break. Topic number three we'll be covering today. Not from bleeping computer. It is headlined Ireland's health services hit with $20 million ransomware demand. I mean, uh, so Conti this last week announced like a dozen ransoms and every single one was devastating. So sadly, the uh, healthcare of Ireland I wouldn't even say it was the most devastating this last week. That they're there, they went full ham. They they went they went off and they just announced everything. That they are breaking into every company they can and they're making a kill. Yeah, this whole thing about like they're not gonna the, the whole I, I've been skeptical about this whole promise of like not to touch certain sectors with things so interconnected these days. You don't touch one sector, but you touch another. That's like a Conti never made that promise. Though. Yeah, Conti has always been about the money. Yeah, yeah. So that's BS. Cream, which is cash runs Cream. everything around me. me. 
And that's Conti. It's your daily ransomware facts. Conti <laughs> ransoms everything around me. Conti ransoms everything around me. Who's drunk now? Okay. Conti, 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 Conti. We're going to move on to topic number four. Companies may be punished for paying ransoms to sanctioned hackers. Ridiculous. Pay a ransom to get your company back and run it. You get fined. Is, that a, is this a good idea, a bad idea? Then the, the government should start offering protections to businesses and saying, if you don't take us up on those protections, then you're in trouble. Essentially, these guidelines are attacking the wrong group. They're hoping to cut ransomware off at the source by saying, by pumping money into the economy, we're going to hold you responsible. And we all know that that's bullshit. If, the if, if these are state-sponsored groups, they're not even necessarily state-sponsored, but if we go with our privateering uh, thing that we've been talking about, which is kind of a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, as long as you're going to attack somebody who's not Russian or attack somebody who's not Chinese, the U.S. government should be sponsoring or helping businesses. They can. One of the great things about this land is how many, is how many widespread mid-sized businesses we have and how many large major enterprises we have. There's no way for the government to help. They shouldn't be interfering. So I think we, we can agree on a few things that disagrees with this report. The first is that we all don't like ransomware but they're not terrorists. Can we all agree that hackers are not terrorists? Yes, you can call them many things. I mean, some, some maybe they, some of them are cyber criminals. Yeah. They, they are. I would, I would say an attack on critical infrastructure might border on terrorism. Well, Beyond so, that, I'm not. The official definition of terrorism says that they have to have, or they don't have, but they, usually have some sort of political motive. This is all money. Yeah, but, the, this yeah, is, ransomware is all about money. That you don't like the mob, but the mob is not terrorists. You don't like the Yakuza, the Yakuza is not terrorists. You don't like ransomware, but ransomware is not terrorists because the groups behind it are financially motivated. They right. are cyber crime. And you can liken them to maybe an annoying, like, uh, Mexican cartel that traffics drugs. They, they are a detriment on society, but they're doing it for financial reasons, and they have no political aspirations. Yeah. Talking about, this is actually, this, uh, this is interesting. Because the article, I read a different article said that the guidelines were from the government and from the U.S. Treasury was that uh, you were going to get fined if you were paying a state-sponsored attacker. Now, the state-sponsored attacker, like we've been saying, these are privateers that are doing this. Are they state-sponsored? You can say, eh, maybe, maybe. I mean, they probably are, but you can't legally tie them back. That's the whole point of being a privateer. Like the RSA hack that we just discussed, the state-sponsored attackers are going for something much bigger than just ransomware. Well, I'll, I'll make the devil's argument that even if they were all sponsored by the government of Russia, 
That is not a terrorist. That is a disagreement between sovereign states. Right. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So I think we can all agree that you, no one is sponsoring terrorism by paying a ransom. No one wants to pay a ransom. We've covered this before. We covered this with Colonial Pipeline. Ransom is the worst option to a bad situation, but sometimes it's your best option. There's, uh, there has been, until AXA changed their policy, the ability to get ransomware insurance, just like you and I could get ransom insurance. If you visit Mexico and someone kidnaps you and they hold you for ransom, if you have ransom insurance, the insurance will negotiate and they will pay out to secure your release. I don't see any difference between that and ransomware other than it's digital and politicians are afraid of it. Yeah. I would like uh, with Colonial Pipeline, they paid that ransom like almost immediately. Yeah. And I would love to see the US Treasury go to them and say, no, don't pay that. Keep the oil to the whole Eastern seaboard shut down. You are not allowed to pay. And the problem is not only will the federal government take it out on you, but they won't do a goddamn thing about it. <laughs> if, if, you, if you can't pay the ransom and, and you can't hack back, like, what do you do? You just die, right? You, so the current policy- your cheeks tighter is what happens. Yeah, the current policy is you just fucking die. And uh, that's, that's not realistic. So no one's going to do that. And so it's going to end up being everyone's illegal. And then the SEC will go after who they want to go after. Yeah, the, I mean, and the problem with that, obviously, is that the FBI is going to find people as opposed to putting people in jail. It just kind of sounds like there's a lot of ransomware revenue going around and somebody wants a cut. You know what I mean? But it's, it's really time for the, the government to either step in or step out. If they step out, then let's allow people with the cyber skills necessary, uh, you know, to be privateers as well. And if they're gonna step in, then let's offer the protections and some of the services that they have uh, to a broad spectrum of businesses. But we're talking about everybody, uh, you know, you have the enterprise businesses that you know in mind, but that should be down to kind of individual counselors that are operating in each state. They handle a lot of PII, they handle a lot of payment information, and they're legitimate small businesses. For the last topic, nearly 200,000 medical records of U.S. military veterans leaked. I, I just have to say it. Uh, veterans always get the short end of the stick, whether it's digital protections, online protections. Uh, the VA needs to be empowered to protect veterans online as well. Yeah. And they deserve our highest level of care. This is just, that's utter bullshit. Yeah. The whole article was kind of strange. It was, uh, the author said that they they found this index database, but among the index, um, among the data, there was some ransomware note. So at this, at some point, this contractor leaked the data, but also was held for ransomware. So I, I don't know, I, it, it was, uh, it was kind of strange. Um, I think the best line from that was, according to their monitoring, the data has been accessed via our internal IP and yours. That's bullshit. Like, 
Yeah, I I gotta agree with you, Shu. Um, there's not enough known about this, but I also don't see this as an isolated incident. I see uh, a number of veteran-related hacks that have occurred. And you really have to question what protections exist for veterans after they leave active service. Even during active service, uh, the uh, service members are targeted. Uh, you, you have to realize that service members are targeted after they leave, right? And uh, whether it's a, a matter of uh, ongoing protections, whether it's uh, digital protections, uh, whether it's uh, more secure social security numbers and pins and all that stuff, something needs to be done because active service members and veterans will always be a target for nation states. Yes, definitely. I, I don't have any different thoughts. I think that if you think about a, a population to whom we owe a debt of responsibility, it it doesn't get any better than our than our veterans. It's just it's it's unbelievable that uh, that people volunteer that information about themselves. They put themselves forward in that particular way, and that we can't protect them. It's just a nat it's a national shame. Uh, I mean, the the problem is that the Federal agencies are um, playing catch up against the attackers. And we are facing the results of that with the OCR hack, right? Uh, we're facing the results of that with uh, solar winds impacting a lot of federal agencies. And so we have to consider that. Uh, the military is a federal agency mm -hmm. and and it's playing catch up and so uh the recent executive order uh has a minimum security standard for um contractors right um but what does that do internally i i think a big step forward would be a minimum security standard for all federal agencies um, that is based on industry best practices. Like industries have evolved uh, significantly. Um, and I feel like there's a, a, lot of, a lot of improvement to be done. I, I feel like if you get free identity protection for two years for being part of the Equifax breach, that if you were in active duty in Iraq or Afghanistan, that you should get free identity protection for 20 years. I, I feel like these are the most targeted, the most vulnerable individuals, and they should be the most protected. It, it, sh it should be no question. I mean, at this point, enough federal agencies have been broken into that identity theft should be for life. And not just for them, but for their family, right? Because uh, enough information has been stolen, enough uh, targeting towards these individuals that you need that level of digital protection. D digital protection should eventually be, given the where we're going, it should eventually be a civil right rather than an option. Uh, this has been 
an episode of Bourbon and Data Breaches. If you liked what you saw today, please like, comment, and subscribe. If you hated everything you saw today, please argue with the first people in the comment section and also like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, until next time.